Hello, and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. The show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses, and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, Universe, and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by Prosperitas, an animated video agency that can help you bring your company's ideas, values, products, and messages to life with the power of visual storytelling. Whether you strive to win more customers, engage, or educate your audience, Prosperitas will craft each video specifically targeted to fit your brand and vision. Visit prosperitasagency.com today to learn more. That's P-R-O-S-P-E-R-I-T-A-S agency.com to find out how Prosperitas can create the best videos your company has ever had. My guest today is Cassidy Torrey. Cassidy has been a content producer for 10 plus years and currently works at Sun Studios in Tempe, Arizona as their sales director. His work has been seen on television, social media ad campaigns, and Amazon Prime. Thank you so much for joining me today, Cassidy. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Pacifico. Glad to be here. So tell me, how did your journey start? What first got you uh, into content? Movies, actually. So the goal is always to do movies, but I wanted to learn the craft a little bit more before I'm jumping in it. And that's something that I'm going into now. It's been a long time to get there, but I, I like to impact people and do content that will make them feel and actually get them to do something. So I always want to be influential with anything that I do as far as content creation, TV, movies, anything like that. So that's how I got into it. Did you go to school for film or anything like that? Or did you just jump right in and start learning? No, I actually went to school for film. I realized that I was definitely not like a camera person or technology-based person. So I went right to the producer, which is called the above the line position in the industry. Realized that I have a good knack for sales and persuasion. So I went towards that side of things. And that's and I actually did go to school. And it's funny because the school that I went to is actually the studio. It was Collins College. And then the owner, who has 30 plus years of, of movie distribution uh, experience, bought the building and then hired me to work at the same place that I used to go to school at. So it's like full circle. Oh, wow. So tell me a little bit about the kind of work that y'all do at Sun Studios. Yeah, at Sun Studios, so we have two giant sound stages, one for what I call set builds for movies, short films, anything like that, 400 amps of power, 200 each circuit. We have a two-ton grip package as well as uh, full lighting kits and gear that comes with the rentals. We can do concerts, live events, stage events. Uh, you can rent out the whole building too for events too as well. So anything from movies, events, we even have an audio, full audio. Michael Jackson's producer, everybody knows Michael Jackson, says Bobby Taylor came in and said it's one of the best designed sound stages in Arizona. So 
we basically it's a Hollywood level studio in the middle of Tempe, Arizona. Wow, that's pretty amazing that we have such incredible resources. Is that something like people can come in and just check out? And yeah, of course, uh, they can book a personal tour with me, and I, I'd be welcome to show them around the space. Show, uh, I'd love to have you come in Pacifico to see it too as well. But all it takes is just to uh, reach out, call the number, or just book a time with me, and I would love to show anybody who wants and give them a personal tour of our location. Awesome. So throughout your career, how have you seen technology change the scope of content production? Oh, man. The main thing is the conversion of film to digital. When I was in film school, the film was on its way out. And the prosumer cameras changed the whole game where everybody, anybody who picks up a camera is a filmmaker now. You go to the store and just buy one. And you're like, oh, I can do it. But there's a lot more that goes to it, like the angles of the shots, the, the depth of it, what lenses to use. The, the conversion to digital full digital was the biggest thing I saw as far as content creation, TikTokers now and the phones and the, the technology in actual phones. Cause a lot of the times now you can use, do a cell. I, I've seen full shoot commercial shoots done with iPhones and the, the newest iPhones and the newest Samsungs fully done because on a physical phone that you can't really tell the difference because of the resolution. So the six and eight K, the red cameras are great and, and all like that. But for social media advertising, which is now like the norm as far as advertising goes, it, you can pull it off with a iPhone if you need if you know what you're doing. If not, then it's better to get a prosumer camera to do it. But just the conversion to digital and social media platforms becoming the new advertising. We still put stuff on TV, but a lot of our content goes on social media advertising, Facebook ads. YouTube advertising, the whole nine yards. So, and audiences' attention span too is significantly less. So, you have to be engaging in that. That's why I think platforms like TikTok are really exceeding the normal level of content creation. Yeah, it's been really wild to watch. I mean, there's the old adage, I think it's more true now than ever, like it's not the tool, it's the fool, right? So oh, like yeah. anyone can take like a, a real photographer, cinematographer, like that's really talented can take basically any piece of equipment and like actually make something stunning, whereas most people are just it turns out like garbage. But right. I have seen some TikToks have been amazing because there's just kids on there. And they're like, Oh, I'm gonna make a fake ad for Sprite or some random drink company or whatever. And they just slice it up and literally all they have is like a light box and they're just like in their bedroom. And it looks like it was professionally shot by someone who makes thousands of dollars an hour. It's it's so wild. And then you see like companies like they'll get in there and they'll like the companies, it, it always blows my mind. Like the companies that get like virality and social media and they're like, yeah, let's jump up on that and emphasize that. And then you have shit like that kid from like Sherwin Williams. Did you know that guy? Like he was making paint mixing videos on TikTok and was just oh, yeah. huge. He was massive. And Sherwin Williams fired him. And it's just like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Do you yeah. not understand like how valuable this is? And it's you look at something like what would happen with Ocean Spray and hell, like those like the Fleetwood Mac like skateboarding Ocean Spray video has been has gone so viral that now I feel like every other cover I hear by a band now is like a dreams cover. So it's, yeah. it's Fleetwood Mac going and it's, that's real power. And so many companies just overlook that. Yeah. And I actually have uh, connections to social media influencers too. And I, they make big bucks as far as the, like for posting one, one brand video for TikTok advertising, they make anywhere from <laughs> the people who have, um, 
the 4.4, they make five to 7,000. And if you have or subscribers on TikTok and the lower ones make one to 2,000 per video and they're just killing it as far as that market goes. And brands are recognizing they're putting their advertising dollars into social media influencers because that's what gives them the brand awareness and and recognition so it, it could, it, it's crazy to see where the advertising dollars were in the television ads and how it just scaled over to social media and these new platform social media platforms such as tiktok and it, it's crazy because i i know the the manager of these tiktok people so i have an insider look of it and i can see what happens they work for hbo max chipotle crocs the whole nine yards these big time brands that are just dropping tons of cash to get that brand awareness out there. Oh, absolutely. And I think the thing there, like nobody even really talks about is just like the element of trust, right? Is like the, right. the the importance of trust in the marketplace, especially today is so huge. And as much as people deride like influencer culture, or whatever, influencers have way more trust than any brand pretty much. And yeah. it's crazy also to be able to see, I've followed people on TikTok. I maybe found them and they had five or 10,000 followers. And now they're over a hundred thousand. And there's different sort of, I think when people really hit that hundred thousand mark is they just start getting free shit. Like brands yeah. just start sending them stuff and they're just like, Hey, do you like this? Come on, just do a video. Cause obviously yeah. there's the one side of it, just trying to coax people into, Hey, can you pump our shit for free? And it's really fascinating too. Like I've worked at companies where we were going and they were like, Hey, we want to do some with influencers. And I was like, okay. And so we would start going talking with influencers and I'd have Gen X and like boomer bosses that would think, Oh, we can just take advantage of all these stupid kids that like they're just doing their silly dances and whatever. And you get on a call yeah. and the kid would be like, like, all right, that'll be five thousand dollars. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it's it's wild because it's so much more sophisticated than like anything relative to that was like when like boomers were kids or something like they didn't know shit about business or anything like that even for the comparable times, and so now you go in you think oh this is like a 17 19 year old kid i can push them around get what i want i can give them just like an affiliate deal or i can yeah. just give them like back end and they're like no i want my money up front by and large really there's still people who take the residuals and stuff and that, that can be a great way to go too it's just you always have to do your own due diligence right, right this is a yeah. product that can go the distance is five thousand dollars for this video good or is this something where i can actually make like tens of thousands of dollars if i just take the back end and, and I'm, I'm telling you the people that i work for they, they won't even consider smaller brands because of their image they're a lot smarter and i i definitely agree with you about the people trying to get them to do something but they're like ha no i don't need that don't pitch me a thousand bucks when i can make five they're a lot smarter nowadays than what like you were saying they, you can't push these young kids around. They they have the ones that get there and get the, and do this daily and know what they're doing and have 4.4 million subscribers, and not just not just views on one video, but subscribers that follow them. They do that constantly for their job. It's not like they do it. No, that's their full time job. Right. So they're self conscious of that. They're about i need to get paid for what i'm worth and i'm telling you it's one one tiktok video is a lot of money and they get brands pitched at them constantly they'll there's actually a job category now for for big brands that are social media influencer marketers that are they go at they literally their job is to find people who are trending and then pitch them there uh be like look we have a budget we want you to come on and that's an actual job title now if you look on absolutely nuts Oh, absolutely. And it's just an ecosystem that's building out more and more. And I think the thing that a lot of like older people or people who aren't really like hip to the scene don't realize is that TikTok itself is 
the greatest form of democratization of information yep. since the printing oh, yeah. press. And mm-hmm. so not only do you have all these people, all these kids on there just doing various things, like showing their talents, doing music, dances, whatever, making a lot, being able to monetize that. But then there's other people on there or even those same people that are teaching other people how to do it. So they're like, hey, watch out for this. Make sure, like, here's how to be an influencer. Make sure you're using these sites and you're protecting yourself in this way. Make sure you have legal protections. Make sure you're signing contracts that make sense for you. Make sure you're getting money up front. And so it's like, you, these people will think that they're coming into a vacuum of just like stupid kids that suddenly made a million dollars. And it's no, there's a whole ecosystem of support here. So that especially like Gen Z, especially is just like not fucking around. They're like, Hey, we're going to protect ourselves. We're going to make our own shit happen. Mm -hmm. And they're out there doing it. And other generations think they can just exploit them. Like they've exploited hell, like millennials, like we just been exploited like crazy since we came on the scene, we were sold a false bill of goods for a variety of stuff. And it's just been an unrelenting shit show. And then Gen Z came along, which is like, Oh, peace. We're out. Like we're going to go and do our own shit. And so thinking that you can manipulate those people is you're going to have a bad. And, and we had to learn that lesson being millennials. We had to be, screwed over for lack of to be politically correct you had to get screwed over a couple times to learn that lesson be like oh i get it now these people aren't at my best interest they're out of their best interest and whether it's ethical or not the people who they don't care about ethics they care about their wallets right so you have to be defensive that's something that i had to learn that'd be very defensive of your own time and what your own value and I think millennials had a hard had a harder time accepting that than the gen z and that the millennials are teaching Gen Z not to do that. And that's where we see this, they're standing alone. No, I'm, I'm going to take my money. Yeah, I think for us, it was just like the first time that it was like the rug was being pulled out from other people. It was just right. like, I think my parents and my mom, like she bartended her way like through college, no big deal. And it was just like, oh, that would pay for all four years of like bartending would pay for maybe half a year of college when I went and but of course it's it's now we know the human brain's not fully formed till it's like 25 you got 18 year old kids that you're like here take out 100 grand in loans and then this will pay off like you're gonna get a college degree it's gonna be great which like when our parents were kids like that was like the way out now it's just oh this is total bullshit and I have a ton of student loan debt that I wish I I went to school for my mom because she's the one who told me and you got that my mom guilt trips you like, oh, I want my son to go to college. I want to do that. And I was like, I'm going to go to film school then. But at the same time, I wish I knew what I knew now because I could still learn and not have to go to college if I didn't have that guilt trip from my mom. So I love my mom. Yeah, amazing person. But it's you didn't even tell me the, the fiscal responsibility that I was taking out these loans. You didn't show me how it worked or how much I would have to owe afterwards. And and you're exactly right is that when that's what they were taught, go to school, like my mom's pharmacist, but dad's insurance agent, they do really well. But at the same time, it's nowadays that degree is, I don't want to say worthless, but unless you're going for Ivy League, like being a lawyer or a doctor or anything that needs those degrees and those certifications, it's better to just do it yourself and save you the money. I, I have people who make, who've made a ton of money. Look at the builders and the, blue collar workers that started their own business and now are multimillionaires, especially in like roofing, for example, home building, those people, they didn't have any debt and their credit scores are great. They're able to buy houses. Now I'm chasing after that. I have to chase after that because of the student loan. Oh, totally. And that was the thing. I I was a film major as well. And I, I, years later was like, oh man, the moment 
that I decided to be a film major, I should have dropped out of school and moved to Hollywood. Right. Because yeah. I showed up anyways, and they were just like, who the fuck are you? Like, yeah. they don't give a shit where you went to school. No, and even if you went to a nice film school, right? Like, at most, no, they, they might be home. like, show us a reel, show what you can do. But at the same time, more than likely, you're going to start as a production assistant, if that's yeah. for most of the tracks you're going to want to be on. And then it's just, hey, prove yourself. And within a week of working, I 16 hour days and stuff, they were like, holy shit, you're legit. Like, we yeah. want to keep working with you. You're awesome. And I was just like, oh, man. I just wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's the best and worst thing about the entertainment business. I remember everybody, and, and again, college, colleges are corrupt in the film business because you're like, yeah, you'll get a job right out of college. No, you won't. There's oh, yeah. no way unless you already are grinding at the end of the junior and senior year of film school, quote unquote, and already doing your connections that you're going to get in and get paid a a livable rate for a long period of time. So it's so deceiving in my mind and almost corrupt that, oh, go to film school. 90% of the film school students, they're working somewhere else now. It's like, it was a nice dream, but I got to pay the bills. So it's like the 10% are the ones that grind and they didn't, like like me, I went to film school. I'm grateful for the knowledge, but I wish I, I did. I think we should bring back the apprentice to film. That's best. If you want to pay for film school, best thing you can do is pay someone literally pay somebody who's super advanced to you to shadow them be like look instead of going to film school i want to give you money to walk around and see what you do that would be the best investment of your money in my opinion oh absolutely and the thing for me too is i i was out in the middle of the fucking midwest i was in notre dame and it was just like okay there's no you got chicago but there's no film connections like i had some great professors who had had worked and some still work in the industry and have had like their own successes but there's no like real immediate connection like to the industry right all of us then like there are like dozens of us over the years showed up in hollywood and it's just okay like you know it's like, what's going on here you just try and rub two sticks together and make something happen and it was like oh wait a minute kids showed up from here out of high school and they just worked and then it's okay you're a good worker okay you can learn this and you can get in with you can become a grip or get into electrical or become a cinematographer and you just do all that from the ground up and it really is i think like on the behind the scenes like to a certain extent it's more of a meritocracy than a lot of other industries right it's obviously like acting is its own weird kind of field there's just it's a lot of random chance or a lot of just sexual favors sometimes or all sorts of corrupt cool. shit um don't, don't get me into that and you're exactly <laughs> like we were talking last night at, at the, the art show event man it, they are a, a call i don't know if you saw and again not to get off topic but the hot look up the hollywood coven on youtube man it's absolutely insane they literally have it's hollywood's like a cult it's an absolute cult like oh they, yeah you have, I, to, you have to basically sell your soul in order to get those things there's few people there's a few people who just break out of that and just they're, they're no matter what they just make i think matthew mcconaughey is one of that he's a very religious person but it, typically it is you have to there's there's actual people on camera that say yeah like katie perry for instance was on camera and be like yeah and then i sold my soul like then you have the rock who basically on an snl skit says hail satan in the middle of it it's absolutely nuts absolutely mind-blowing once you dig in about what these people have done in order to do that. 
Oh yeah, one of my first friends I met, I one of my favorite jobs of all time. Actually, I was managing a hookah lounge on Hollywood Boulevard. It was so fun. Just got to sit outside, smoke hookah on the walk of fame, yeah. like meet tons of people from all over the world. And you have, of course, tons of people. Oh, I just moved here from Kansas. I'm gonna make it in the big city. And you're just like, oh man. And it was crazy because one of my one of my good friends, he was a little older, like he was probably I was what, like 23, 22, something like that. And he was probably like mid 30s. And when he had arrived like at the industry, he ended up in, the, in an office with some like 70 year old producer who was basically like, oh, yeah, OK, I can make you like an action star. Like I can make you like the next Jason Statham. But you have to do all these like sexual favors for me. And he was just like, no, go fuck yourself. Like, I'm out of here. And it's just like the fucked up shit that like happens behind closed doors there is so wild because it's just the exploitation of the dream. The bro, you would be lucky. You'd be so lucky to be here. You'd be so lucky to be a movie star or something like that. So we can extract like anything we want from you. And it's just it's so massively fucked up. And you see it in other industries as well, where people just put up with crazy shit that like they shouldn't have put up with. I just had a recent show with a good friend of mine and like 70% of the show, we were talking about how important it would be to ban sports drafts because athletes are actually the only employees in the U S that don't get to choose their employer. And, and usually the better you are coming out of school, you're going to have the shittier employer or the shittier experience, right? Especially in the NBA, it's not quite as bad a dynamic, especially just like for your body, Whereas if you're an NFL quarterback coming out and you're drafted first, you're invariably going to go to the absolute worst team, which means like you probably have one of the worst offensive lines. So like you're going to get sacked a lot. You're more likely to sustain a concussion. And we don't really, they don't really track a lot of that shit. Like the correlation between concussions. They know, trust me, they know, but they don't care because. Oh yeah, absolutely. For me, the best way of thinking of sports, and this is why I don't really watch sports because this is how I view it as, is like gladiatorial combat. Literally, especially if you take NFL, because those are the people who are physically damaging each other. Oh, oh, we have pads, we have helmets. But the constant concussions in in that and encouraging them, they're literally, and like you said, like the companies are buying this person, right? So it's, oh, this guy has a physical feat. It's just like the gladiators, except they're not killing each other. But they still are. It's actually, I don't say, I want to say worse, but at the same time, it's a slow death. It is a slow death. Like people who have brain injuries, they they abuse themselves just for that big paycheck. And that, that's where it's like, how much is your soul worth? Whether when it's, it's like that, what do, you, what do you, you really want to give away the best part of you for a monetary amount that's up to you I, I don't do that i made my peace with a high-end god oh i got <laughs> i got my shield of faith on you can't come at me anyway because i have faith but and i think they know that i've been trying to I, i've been and i'll tell you this i i had a uh and i won't say the guy's name but i worked at a, a fashion company right out of college and then i found this hidden journal of uh dark chants about worshiping the devil like constant like this scripture that's nuts. And then Mason, like Masonic, and then he told me like his Masons, all this type of stuff. You have to understand that these people are after your soul. They're trying to control and dominate you. And on a spiritual level, you can't accept that. Like blood packs, all that type of stuff, you're damning yourself. And if for me, um, on the religious side, if you, if, I don't know if you are religious in any way, Pacifico, but I'm sure you're spiritual in some capacity. But for me, it's, like you are condemning yourself into a, a 3D 
dimensional plane. You can't extend or you can't achieve enlightenment if you, and that's what they want. Like they want to control us all. That's why, where Hollywood just takes, takes souls that like, and collects them as a game. And it just it baffles me that people are willing. Well, yeah, but it really is. It is just exploiting that sort of glory. Because even right. like on the sports side of it, like once you get there, there's like tons of other stuff like you can do to exploit your fame to make money, which is or you've got some money. So now yeah, you can go into like business for yourself. You look at someone right. like Peyton Manning or Shaquille O'Neal, where they like actually were sensible, took all their money and then invested yeah. it into like franchises and other businesses so they can survive for years and years versus, right. and it's, it's interesting too, because with a lot of athletes, it's sort of like the, like an inverse, like a perversely inverse relationship to like kids and student loans. Like you give right. someone a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt to go to college, or you give an 18 year old a $15 million contract when they've never had a thousand dollars. And then the other problem is people come out of the woodwork and it's family members you never heard of strangers. Everyone wants a piece of you then. And yeah. it can be really difficult to have the right people on your side. And there's is only I think in recent years where the NBA and some other sports leagues finally started to like look at that problem and provide more, you know, some like financial education and just like right. things around that because they really just didn't care. And people would be like everyday people making like 50K or less or something like poor and middle-class people would right. be like, how is it possible for an NBA player to live paycheck to paycheck? Yeah. It's, oh, if you have a house that you have nine people living in, and then you've got to provide for these other relatives and like all these other relationships that are going on, or, oh, now you have a money manager. How many stories are there of an athlete's agent or manager, especially like money managers, just take everything, right? Music. They just slow, they're like, yeah, I'm investing in, I'm doing this. And it's like the fucking music man. And like before it's just, they skip town and you're stuck like, what the fuck? I'm now broke and I'm an NBA. What's crazy is the music industry. Like they, they bank on rappers and deaths. It's so, it's so messed up. Like they're like, okay, someone's going to shoot this rapper and then we're going to own all of his content forever. And then he'll, he will, it doesn't matter. We'll give him whatever amount now. And I always tell people uh, like upcoming artists is look, you can sign that million dollar deal. But the reason why they're giving you that million dollar deal is because they can make nine off of you. You see what I'm saying? They can oh, make absolutely. like 90%. So if, if you get that deal and the best case scenario, I always like to explain is tech nine, who's local here in Arizona. He went independent and made filthy money independently he was like nope i'm not gonna buy into this whole scam he did it independently and made his own fortune off of being an independent artist it, and he didn't sell out and the reason he made even more money just imagine if he sold out to some other big other big recording company and just took a million dollar deal he would have never made the, the tens of millions of dollars that he ever did because they would control his equity and that's why they put that's why they give him those big deals because they're not going to give you that unless they can make that money off of you so when they, oh, they, totally. and, and a lot of them are just blindsided oh i got signed this is amazing no, no, no. if they're gonna sign you man you can t make more money yourself and they know that so what i think that's so like really stresses the importance of platforms that are democratizing and decentralizing all of this because right. you look at tiktok and obviously it was like created for musicians and they're still musicians are by and large still the most popular people on there but right. it's like okay streaming has taken away so much like income from artists and so then it's like okay how do we actually fight back against this and then 
seeing people like find different ways to monetize it or there's obviously still a pipeline of like people blow up on TikTok and then they end up signing like record deals and stuff but now there's a situation where previously say yeah you're like a Katy Perry like in the middle of the Midwest or something and you have no leverage now you've got people that like I have a million followers like I can just go and do my own thing and monetize them independently. So it's at least giving you leverage in negotiations because it's if RCA records or capital records or whomever is going to go and pay influencers on TikTok for just like advertising and and other promotional stuff. Anyways, it's if you're going to try and negotiate with someone who is a recording artist on TikTok and they've got a following of hundreds of thousands or millions of people, you know that there's an inherent value because elsewhere in your company, you're actually paying for that in a separate way. And so I think that's really the most important thing. Obviously, there's a lot of problems with it, like TikTok and censorship and all kinds of like crazy yeah. stuff. And I think we really, I was talking to someone the other day, what we really need is something, if TikTok is like the Amazon in the space, you really need like the Shopify, right? You need yeah. something that then goes back, you need Shopify for creators that then goes back and puts the power into the creator's hand and says, hey, we're not gonna take a percentage, just pay us like a monthly fee. And so you can blow up however big you want to blow up and it's the same monthly fee and you can scale and it belongs to you and your audience belongs to you. And well, you can create your own ecosystem. Imagine if I'm trying to imagine of what is like the world beyond websites, right? Like how can creators create their own ecosystem that it's not just like the websites we have today, but it's you can go into a social media platform that would be similar to Shopify, where if you have a Shopify site, Shopify is like nowhere to be seen, especially if, you know, as long as you like take the branding off of the footer or something. And especially if you use like a WordPress skin or a WordPress theme or something like by and large, people can't tell it's a Shopify site if it's like really right. well done. And but with TikTok, it's like it's all about TikTok. Right. And oh, this is my TikTok, whereas no one is. So here's my online store versus people aren't as obviously some people say, oh, yeah, I have a Shopify store or something like that. But really, the point of it is, oh, here's my online store. And so if you can have that same thing for content creation, where it's here's my ecosystem, come and check out my ecosystem, you can listen to all my music, you can view all my art, you can hear like webinars I've done, you can buy products from me and just have it all in one place. Because right now it's, oh, if you're a content creator, you got to have a TikTok, you got to have maybe a Shopify store, maybe an Etsy store, maybe an Instagram, a face, all these other things. And it's that's just waiting for someone to bundle all of that and just charge a flat fee. And then blow that up and then really just put it into those people's hands because as much as i think it's far less likely that shopify is going to go under or that shopify would seize or destroy your store versus tiktok pulling your account which happens every day to people yeah yeah tiktok's managed by china right they have a u.s like subsidiary like version right. or whatever but ultimately that it's, they don't censor tons of like stuff that's critical of china for no reason but and then right. they also they there's a lot of censorship that you'll see from black creators that they'll censor yeah. people talking about black lives matter talking about racial and social justice and and they'll call people out and just try and be like what are you doing about this and it's just radio silence because TikTok at this point like they're honing in on they're zeroing in on a billion people and it's once you get to that scale 
they all adopt a Mark Zuckerberg kind of approach of go fuck yourself. I'm the biggest thing in the world. Like I'm yeah. this behemoth and you can't touch me and I can do whatever I want. And right. oh, sure. I'll pay your little fines. That's cute. Oh, oh a billion yeah. dollars. Like I just made that back in ad revenue before lunch. So it just yeah. is crazy. But yeah. I remember when I think Google bought YouTube, right? If I'm correct. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when they did that, it was like this huge thing about, wow, look how much money they bought it for. But they made that back in three months. Oh, it was a steal. I was just like, and it, I saw a thing and be like, yeah, they bought YouTube, but Google basically made it back in plus, plus like a ridiculous profit margin on that, off that sale. Like they, they just, oh, yeah. it just allows them to dominate even more. And that we have all these Titans that really need to be broken apart, in my opinion. And, and they have so much control over what people think and see and feel that you're being so it goes back to subliminal advertising back then it was i don't know if you know this but in film history it used to be subliminal advertising but it was so effective because you do the little flip the best thing i can ex- explain it with is fight club where there's those little scenes yeah. in between and tyler durden's explaining that he goes into the film mood and cut, cuts in naughty stuff in there but that that used to happen but now it's almost it's like it's not taboo anymore. It's not. It's so influential on a subconscious level that we don't even realize we're being trained to go to these things. And they've got these the social, um, the the psych, psychological engineers that are constantly making us go back to these platforms. So it's literally brainwashing. It's we're brainwashed to to attach to these things. And if you don't use it in business, like. I, I have a Facebook, I have a, a great business platform with it, but I don't like using social media. I really don't want to, but I have to for business or you don't survive anymore. It's it, You'll be buried under everybody else. There's no word of mouth that will succeed you. I guess not no, but you know what I'm saying as far as what you need to do in business nowadays in order to do that. Oh, the psychological control is so powerful. I remember I used to drive for Lyft and then a story came out sort of talking about how like Uber's algorithms and stuff would essentially incentivize you either stay on the street for longer or they would, you'd be sitting around and not get a ride for a while. And then just before you'd be like, okay, I'm just going to call it a night. Then it'd be like, oh, here's a ride. And TikTok does the same stuff, right? Where it's just, they want you on the platform as much as possible. And then, but then there's things where, you know, if you post a TikTok and you like get off of TikTok immediately, they'll blow, they'll send that video to more people to then send you notifications and stuff so that you get back on the app. So there's all these sort of perverse incentives that are just like built into everything to keep things going. And I think like on one side, I think TikTok has the best algorithm out there aside from Spotify for for putting stuff in front of you in terms of like actually matching people to content that they want to see. That's really, it's there's nothing better out there. I think in the Spotify would be the only close thing, but then the stuff that they do to manipulate you into different types of usage on the platform. And then it's funny because yeah, like, like I was saying earlier, like there's all these people just like teaching about different things on TikTok, and there's plenty of people teaching about TikTok. And so then they'll be like, yeah. oh, this is the metric they want, and this is the metric they want, or it's watch time, or it's follows, or it's this or that. And so you get into it, and it's just like seeing like what they're actually incentivizing, and then they can just change that on a dime, and then it can be like, oh no, my videos aren't getting like any views anymore. It's like, oh, okay, they changed the algorithm or something. Or and then it's always funny to me because there's just like Anytime someone doesn't get views, they're like, I've been shadow banned. And it's just yeah. like, 
how to me it's like shadow banning is like the most egotistical theory i've ever heard of it's just like how the fuck do you think that you like little person like in the middle of nowhere making right. tiktok videos that like aren't that popular anyways have a platform that has 800 million people on it is oh i'm gonna find i'm gonna shadow ban you and just like a bloated self of sense of self-importance oh, it's so ridiculous it's so crazy though but I, I used to watch this guy um named michael jaco but he was shadow ban i'll tell you that because he started blowing up he goes again i i would be considered a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist too as well but i used to watch him because he just made sense he connected the dots and but once once the, they took his stuff down because he started to blow up, like they started to get a lot of views. And if YouTube and Google doesn't like what you're doing, they will demonetize you the way they. Oh, will. absolutely. You know? But it's, it's it happens to big accounts, right? It's it doesn't yeah. happen uh, to the people with a hundred yeah. followers, right? right, right. Like, it, you're not it's, you're not getting shadow banned. Like you, people just don't find you interesting. Or, I'm sorry. It's just it's a totally different dynamic. But people are just like go, go kind of crazy with it. It's wild. Yeah, and it's and it's things like if you talk about the vaccine the wrong way that they don't want to, and all, all these little key things that they have, they'll literally just shut you down because they're like, oh, that's not what we want. That's not the narrative. We want the the government is in control, and they are in cahoots with the Zuckerbergs and the, the Jack Dorsey for Twitter. All these people are in cahoots in order to do what the government wants and to put whatever narrative they want to spin. In my mind, it's, this is what we're going to show you. But then we're gonna do a roundhouse kick to your face, and you won't even know it's coming. That's what it. That's what it is. That's why they call it broadcasting because they're cast. They're literally casting to your mind. I don't want to say spells, but that's where it comes from. Broadcasting, television, even pharmaca is supposed to be pharmacy. Pharmaca is very. If you really go into in depth of it, it's. Uh, trading one problem here's this pill oh this it's, it will take care of your problem however here's 10 side effects that come with this pill that will fix the one thing that you came in for you see it just doesn't make sense that's why it's really been so crazy to see like we're now we now have like multiple cities where most psychedelics are illegal or at least yeah. decriminalized and yeah. cannabis is still illegal federally it's well, fascinating of just like cities and states are like okay like cannabis is passe like we need to open up the floodgates on on psychedelics and then there's just companies like just trying to prevent it from happening and it's like right. it's going to happen and it's going to change a lot of stuff but now you see the rush for different like pharmaceutical companies and others to okay how can we like patent magic how mushrooms how can we turn this into a pill or mm. i remember seeing something it was like oh it was like someone was they were developing psychedelics without hallucinogenic effects and it was oh. like like that's part of it that's part of the whole point <laughs> is like having your mind ripped open to see that all that you do normally see is not totally objective reality it's like you got to peel back the curtain and yeah. they're trying to say oh we can get like the same effects and it's like you can't actually get the same effects no. because you have to actually see that shit if you haven't right. seen the fabric of reality splinter open yeah. And then suture itself back together, right? Like you just, you can't mimic that. You can't have a drug that it's, you get the same effect of that downstream because it's all a part of rethinking and reimagining like what you're actually perceiving. And if you think of what, what you know, shrooms, and uh, I was labeled quote unquote bipolar for a long time. And for shrooms though, for bipolar people, it actually helps them because it inc increases the neuroplasticity of the brain. It lets your left hemisphere talk to your right hemisphere. And literally it, it makes it 
fluid so you can see a lot more things obviously it's a hallucinogen but at the same time it's it, it allows that those neurons to fire co- coherently rather than relying on one or the other so it, the effects of these things used in the right way then technically it grows from the ground right? and again what, what i think the government doesn't want because of like the legalization of marijuana they don't want want to be people like oh you can grow your own and it's free just get a couple seeds learn how to grow it and why pay the extra tax and cost? They, 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 they don't want to make it legal until they can control every aspect of it. And that's my mind. Oh, yeah. The the problem I see with so much, yeah, the legalization out there is like almost the recriminalization of home grow. Or it's like something, oh, you can have six plants. And it's like they're going to take four plus months to grow. You're only going to get, especially if you're like an amateur grower, like... You're not necessarily going to get that much off each plant if you're like just starting out. So it's you are going to have to buy cannabis, right? Like almost right. nowhere is it just make as much as you want, right. which is it's- just crazy. And you can in most places like you can still like brew as much beer as you want, right. but it's like a way more complex and convoluted and expensive process and stuff. Right. But it's we're literally just like and I think that's the whole thing, right? It's like we have there's virtually no black market anymore in right. in alcohol. And there's a huge illicit market in cannabis and they're just going to keep it that way because they refuse to like lower taxes and they refuse to put regulations in place where it's, oh yeah, you can just do home grow and you can do uh, things on your own and it'll be cool. And it's just, it's crazy. And it's just going to be the next 10 years of like legalization are just going to be nonsense. And I think we're going to get to a point of everything else looks more attractive, right? Like it's, you're going to be able to use psilocybin or MDMA or like other drugs, like in a totally different way that you're probably, you can grow your own mushrooms, of course, but like making your own MDMA is like a little bit more complex. Like you need a lab for That's not going to be a thing people are rushing. Oh yeah. Same thing. The cool thing about DMT is that it's released when we're, when we are born and when we die. So I always Mm -hmm. think of it, it's like the translucent, like how we translate into these different things. So it's all about those type of forms. So I'd love to know what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? The kindest thing. Oh, probably my business partner. He's the kindest guy in the world. He helped me out when I was just starting my business and saw the light with me. And he gave when I was in a time where I could have failed and lost my business, he he helped out. So that's the kindest thing something somebody's ever done for me. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Cassidy. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to speak with you. Yes, thank you so much, Pacifico. Great conversation. We got to talk more. Yeah, of course. So today's episode is brought to you by Prosperitas, making unforgettable videos for unforgettable companies. Visit prosperitasagency.com today to learn more. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. And if you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high-quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash theluepodcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, Wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness.